podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Welcome to episode 205 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social. Europe's biggest sports podcast network, and also fanatics. It's been another wild week of Everton Football Club, hasn't it? Uh, since we last spoke um, last Sunday, we, we knew potentially financial breaches and, and charges were, were coming up. Uh, we were hopeful that Everton were going to be okay. Obviously, everyone now knows that, that we're not for the 22-23 reporting period. Um, so we've had that. We've had obviously the uh, the game against Crystal Palace in the FA Cup, which saw us through to the to the fourth round. With that game coming up, um, obviously this weekend as well against Luton Town at Goodison, uh, uh, Goodison Park. So another FA Cup game at home for us to look forward to. We had links for the core potentially going going to Saudi Arabia. It's all been going off. Um, we still haven't heard about the the appeal for the first charge. Um, although the, the thought is that it will be heard or start to be heard this month. Um, so it's been a little bit of a, a t- you probably say a typical Everton week really, hasn't it? You know, uh, we, we're used to it by now. But joining me and Lee um, is is Frank McKenna. And, and Frank, we had, I think we had you on last time when the uh, when when the first charge came about um, and, and we had heard in, in terms of what, what the punishment was going to be. But what's your, what's your take on this this whole scenario now, given the fact that We've apparently breached again. We've not seen the accounts, of course, but we've apparently breached again for 22 23. Uh, we've been charged in relation to the, to the three previous years, of course, which were, were appealing after losing 10 points. What's your take on the whole situation? Because I knew things were going to be tight. A lot of talk around it was Everton thought they were going to be okay. Uh, but then we've, we've, we've submitted accounts that apparently have Everton think at this current point aren't going to be a true reflection because obviously we feel that they're going to change eventually anyway. But what's, what's your take on, on the current situation? I think the first thing to say is that the whole of the Premier League looks totally chaotic in terms of the way it manages its affairs and it's bringing itself into disrepute. Uh, you know, it seems that if Everton were in breach, then we won't discover the fact until after the season ends. And so you're going to have the bizarre situation where on the last day of the season, potentially both Everton and, let's face it, Nottingham Forest could have avoided relegation in terms of the points total they've accumulated, but then suffer a deduction, which will against them both. Well, that's no way to run a corner shop, never mind the biggest football league in the world. So first and foremost, I think if you were, Looking at this objectively from the outside, you would say, well, no wonder the government is saying this thing needs an independent regulator. I think the second thing I'd say is that it is starting to feel, as an Evertonian, um, that there is a little bit of an agenda uh, against the club. Um, I think the first time around, we could all sort of look at the situation and think well maybe this is because the government are after them maybe it's because they fear that independent regulator and they're just trying to flex the muscles and show the government that they can manage and control the league themselves but then when a second charge comes or as you say mike a very similar uh, breach uh, or potential breach then you start to scratch your head and you do start to wonder Uh, and then listen we're getting bits and pieces of information and detail but it strikes me that they're basically charging us because they've changed the rules halfway through the conversations they were having with Everton Football Club and there's email exchanges that suggest that at one point they're saying to the club interest rate on the stadium won't be uh, part of your financial uh, due diligence and now they're saying Otherwise, a bit like, you know, in Liverpool over the last 12 months, a lot of the roads around here have gone from 30 miles an hour to 20 miles per hour. It's a bit like them coming to me now and saying, well, we've got the cameras were up 12 months ago and we've got you doing 30. I said, yeah, well, it was 30. Yeah, but we've changed it now. So we're going to fine you and we're going to ban you from driving 
for two years because you breach. I mean, it's it's absolute nonsense. How can you do that? You know, how can you have a football club abiding by the rules as they're told by the governing body, and then the governing body say, "Oh no, well, halfway through we've decided to change." So I think, as I say, there's a bit of a persecution complex we've got as Evertonians. And some people will say that's conspiracy theory, but what I'd say to them is, come on, you know, as I say, look at this objectively and you can't suggest seriously that they haven't got some sort of anti-Everton agenda. And the final point I'll make, Mike, is that anybody who's seen that clown, Richard Masters, perform before the Select Committee in Parliament this week, again, can only be shaking the head and thinking, seriously, is this guy the man that we've put in charge of leading the biggest football league on the planet? It is quite incredible. And again, to sort of feed into that persecution complex that Evertonians now (laughs) rightly have, he describes us, nine times championship winners, founders of the football league, I think we're the longest serving club, maybe other than Arsenal, in terms of the consecutive seasons we've been in the top flight. Describes us and two times European Cup winners, Nottingham Forest, as small clubs. Now, even if you think Everton are a small club and Nottingham Forest are a small club, as the man in charge of the Premier League, a competition that prides itself on an even playing field and sells itself to the globe on the basis that it's the most competitive in the world. For a chief executive of that organisation, describe anyone, never mind Everton or Nottingham Forest, if you said it about Luton Town, if you said it about Brentford, if you said it about Brighton, he's an absolute idiot of the first order. He should be sacked just for that comment alone. How can you describe one of your member clubs as small, totally and utterly nonsensical, an absolute and utter clown, as I say. And on that basis alone, he should be sacked. But overall, Mike, as I say, I think my initial comments stand. The Premier League is bringing itself into disrepute. And if it's not careful, it's going to eat itself. Yeah, Listen, I, I echo everything that you, that you said there. I mean, how many times I've had conversations about this in the last sort of six months or so? And I said it last week on the show, this this shouldn't be what for being a football fan's all about. It, this shouldn't concern Everton. This shouldn't, uh, Everton fans, sorry. This shouldn't concern Nottingham Forest fans. It shouldn't concern any fans in terms of the financial aspect of football clubs, in my opinion. This wasn't what we got involved with, with watching football for. It was about going and supporting your team, the social aspect, you know, travelling home and away if you can afford to do it, you know, backing your team, enjoying the wins, you know, despairing in the losses and, and things like that, having a good chat about it with friends and family. Not all this nonsense. And, you know, we, we find ourselves on, on a Tuesday morning sitting in the house watching Richard Masters in front of the, the select committee. What am I doing that for? Why, why should I need to do that? It's You know, it's, that shouldn't form part of my day, but it doesn't. And this, this, is, this is where we are and you know, I just, I just can't for the life of me understand why. The big thing for me is this whole thing around double jeopardy, in my opinion. I just can't understand how, given the fact that they've uh, fast-forwarded the the time frame now, so they've changed the rules, haven't they, again, in terms of getting all the financial figures together in by the end of December, as opposed to the end of March. So, therefore, what that then means is that Everton are now fighting two battles in the same season and effectively face two punch deductions in the same season for accounts that basically they've already been punished for as well with this 10-point deduction. I can't get over that and it, it, it baffles me. But, but Lee, I'll, I'll bring in that at that particular point. How do you feel, you know, given the fact that we are now having to fight on two two fronts? We haven't even got to the end of the first the first round of of battle, if you like, in terms of we've got the appeal in. By the way, the Premier League have sat on this for how many months now since the appeal have gone in? We had two weeks to appeal and they've been sitting there doing nothing about getting this appeal panel together to hear the appeal. So we're we're waiting for that to actually kick off. Um, And in the meantime, what we're being told is they can't start the second hearing 
until the first hearing's over with. So even the timescale which states is it is it five days after the Premier League is finished that we, we basically hear from any sort of appeal for 22-23. In my opinion, looks like that could even be pushed back even further because of where we are with this. What, what's your take on the whole thing? It, it's very much for me, I believe it to be a total circus. And like Frank said, the biggest league in world football is being operated. It's like a total, total amateur outfit. Well, I think Frank summed that up really well then in terms of where we are now with it. Um, I, I think like you just said there as well, the whole double jeopardy argument as well. The whole, the irony of this whole thing is that the Premier League have effectively tried to use Everton as demonstration, like Frank said, that they can run their own show. And then the irony of it is they're making themselves look completely inept by doing so. You know what I mean? And, that, and that's the biggest thing. You can, I mean, Masters sitting in front of that committee came across so arrogant. And I mean, look, don't get me wrong, some of the questions to him were, were, weren't great. And they didn't push him enough, in my opinion, in certain areas. But if that's the guy, I believe he was fourth choice, wasn't he, for the job in the first place, if you believe some reports. If that's the guy at the helm, are we going to get a, you know, a, true, a fair, true and fair hearing on this? I'd, I'd love... I'd love the lawyer we've brought in, who's obviously one of the best best in the country by all accounts. And of course, he's got a nickname, the Silk. Only Everton would get that. You know what I mean? I mean that, that sums it up. But um, I'd love him to be cross-examined, uh, Masters to be cross-examined by him in, in that similar type of forum. I think he'd tear him apart. I think he'd tear him apart. And I think you just spoke off air then, Frank, about you know the lack of sort of support from other fans from other clubs, particularly the other 14 clubs, all you seem to be getting on social media is, you know, you've, you've committed the crime, do the time attitude, you know, we don't care. And I think that's a dangerous precedent. We should be all, if anything, coming together and, and effectively saying, going, what's going on here? What's going on here? You know, you, some of the tweets of Premier League, they even put, they even had the audacity to put it out on Twitter the other day, say, you know, put the pictures of all the badges of when the Premier League since it started, which is dominated by as we know, four sides. You know, Arsenal, Man United, Chelsea, and now City in recent years have basically won all but three Premier League titles since it started in 1992. I mean, yeah, and for Masters to sit in front of the committee and say how competitive the league is. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the the guy, the guy's making himself look like a complete idiot. I mean. You know, one of the biggest bugbears we've all got outside of this is, is, the, is the lack of competition in the Premier League. Mm. Is the fact that, you know, we're all effectively just turning up to watch, a, you know, let's be honest, a show, not a football match anymore, really a show where we already know the outcome at the end. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and I don't know about you, Frank, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on it, but I look at it, there's so many people now, I see, I think you put someone on LinkedIn, Frank, as well, which got a lot of attention about on the comments. So many people, not just Everton fans, maybe of a certain generation. My dad's certainly one of them. They don't even really watch football anymore now. I mean, are we in that realm now where, you know, I, I, I'd never thought I'd say that myself. Even I'm becoming like disinterested now. And, and I think it's a really dangerous, dangerous place we're in. Yeah, it's, it's eventually, like you said, is it going to eat itself? Is it going to fall apart? I barely even watch the Champions League anymore. You know what I mean? I don't even know what's going on, if I'm honest. I think it's inevitable that at some point the whole thing's going to implode because those six will walk away. I mean, there's nothing mm. surer than a, a Super League will be established. And depending on who pays the biggest money, but if there's bigger money going to that Super League than into the Premier League and you get the Saudis involved, as seems to be, again, inevitable then the Premier League, you'll probably be watching Liverpool reserves, to be honest. So, you know, that's sadly where I think we're heading. And there's this wonderful phrase now, isn't it, that guys like us, um, we're heritage fans. And so heritage fans are not really the priority anymore for the Premier League suits. Priority for Premier League suits is the global market. It's the television boys and girls. It's how much you can squeeze out of the commercial product. But think back to COVID, think back to lockdowns, and think back to the soullessness of the games that were being televised. And if they think that they're going to be able to command the audiences and the cash that they do at this moment in time, 
by going down the route of kickoffs Sunday at eight o'clock at night, Christmas Eve, no doubt New Year's Eve in the future, all these stupid and ridiculous changes they're bringing in to suit the global television market. And that that particular product that they've brilliantly, by the way, marketed for a couple of decades now, if they think that will survive, people like us walking away from our clubs, walking away from matches and saying enough is enough, they are absolutely mad. But of course, they're not that bothered, are they? Because these guys don't care about where the Premier League or where English football is going to be in a decade. They're only bothered about their bonuses this year, next year and the year after. They'll move on. They'll move into a different boardroom. That's the problem at this moment in time. We've got people running our national game who are accountable to literally nobody. The biggest disappointment, though, Lee, and you sort of referenced this, this conversation we had before we came on, what are other football fans from other clubs doing, just standing back and watching Everton and Nottingham Forest get kicked around whilst Manchester City have got 115 charges against them? Chelsea are spending more money than they've got since. And you've got Newcastle United, arguably the richest club in the world, who can't strengthen the squad in January because of sustainability rules. And yet 14 other clubs there, minus, of course, ourselves, Nottingham Forest now, and Wolves have had a little bit of a kickback, haven't they, because of the awful decisions they suffered from from VAR for a number of weeks consecutively earlier on in the season. But other than that, all the other clubs are just saying, oh, well, there you go. Everton could get relegated, never mind. And what I say to those supporters is two things. Firstly, be careful what you wish for, because it could be you next time. But secondly, you are signing up for a league where only six clubs can compete and you are making up the numbers. Well, I didn't start watching Everton to be a supporter of a club that just makes up the numbers. And if that's where we're heading, then sadly, I'll be heading out of the new stadium. I'll do one season there and I won't be going back late. And I mean that because it's getting to the point now where I can't even celebrate a goal. A final point I'll make because I'm sure you're about desperate to come back in. I'm sat there last Sunday watching us against Aston Villa. Villa scored a goal. A couple of Everton players are waving at their, their arms and I'm thinking oh, didn't, he didn't look offside to me I have to say but hey you know um it wasn't off. It, even looking at the VAR, I didn't think it was offside. Certainly something I'd be disappointed in. But we waited five minutes for the decision. Five minutes, nearly enough, for the decision. VAR was supposed to be introduced for clear and obvious errors. Now, if I'm an Aston Villa supporter, I'm going absolutely ballistic that that goal is eventually ruled offside. But just as a football supporter, I'm sat there and I'm freezing. And I'm sat there not knowing what the hell's going on. And I, I don't know about you lads. I didn't jump up when that goal was disallowed. I was pissed off. I thought this has just totally taken the whole momentum out of the game and takes the joy out of the spontaneity of the best thing in football, which is celebrating the goal. As I say, if that's where we're heading as a sport, it is going to absolutely kill itself. That's that's the problem. I think I said that the same last week in terms. Now I, when they did score, I did appeal because I I was on the side of Dan Juma getting and he was getting pulled down. He was fouled, Mike. He was fouled. So so for me, it wasn't a goal, and I knew it wasn't going to be a goal. But the thing was, he could he could have given a foul in twenty seconds of looking at the video. I'm going, that's definitely a foul. But he spent as you say four or five minutes trying to find the 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 slices of offsides and and that's a problem with, with modern day football isn't it you know it's for me and, and i use a term it's, it's become americanized in my opinion yes. if you watch american those who are familiar with it with obviously america like american football basketball whatever it might be they're, they're the two main ones really that, that, that i see televised over here not that i watch them by the way but there's so many adverts over the course of the the you know the, the time the games are on for whether there's a timeout whether there's a a foul, whether you know whatever it might be, it's utter nonsense. And don't be, don't, don't. I think in the very, very near future, these VAR breaks that they that they have because they take three hours going through the the, <laughs> the easy decisions to make. They'll soon have these little 
adverts in, you know, that'll be in the corner so you can still see what's happening with the VAR. But then an advert will come on for, for whatever companies pay the most money during these uh, these these consultations for VAR. That's how it's going to go for me. I'm not into all that. that. That's not what football's all about. Football should be about it's quick, especially the Premier League. You know, you, you're seeing the best players in the world playing. It's competitive, as we said, which, which it's not. Um, it's all about the the speed for me and the fact that you know we 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 don't have loads of stoppages. We keep you know let, let's keep the game let's keep the game going and it's changed and it's 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 now like like Lee said before you know it's a it's it's now just basically a, some some kind of scripted act that we we, we all know what's what's going to happen and, and that's not what it's all about and you know the competitive nature of football is is well and truly gone in the Premier League. You you know you look at the same sides finishing in, in the top four to six positions pretty much every single season as we saw the the graphic for who's won the Premier League since its inception clearly shows and it's not it's not you know you have people like like you know Richard Masters and John Cross in the mirror saying how competitive it is when we've got the last seventy seven out of eighty Champions League places available have gone to the same sides what you know with the same six sides how's that competitive it's not and this is what I mean, this is why we feel so aggrieved we're getting punished for. You know, an anomaly, you know, an anomaly, a small thing, maximum six point five million pound per season in terms of that first charge. And we're saying it's less than that. And you know, it's basically down to the fact that we're building the ground. And how are you meant to try and compete when you've got this season? And as soon as you hit it, as sides are finding out now, I'd like to hear Newcastle's and sides like that. When you get there, you've got to sell your best player now to try and get back in line. With the with the rules with the, with the the PSR regulations, which is, which is totally wrong, and it shouldn't be about that, and that's why it's it's so frustrating. And you know, to get hit with a second charge is disgusting, in my opinion. The fact that the first charge is still ongoing, the fact that it covers us, you know, a lot of the same set of accounts. Everton have had to submit. It looks like the accounts of the Premier League have said, um, basically saying that we were 124 million pound over over three seasons, and we were saying we were what was it 100. And, I think 113. So if, if we get our sets of accounts in, then we, we'll be compliant for 22, 23. So we had no option. And Everton's statement said that pretty much. What we what we put in is not even going to be right. But because they've they've brought forward the process for the for the 22, 23 reporting period, Everton now is seeing sort of breached. It's it's an absolute farcical situation. And then they're going to change the rules again in, in August. Yeah. Which, which which will suit which will suit the bigger sides again. You know, and it's just this, this is the frustrating thing. And you know, when you see that lunatic masters in front of a, of a commission, you know, when he comes across like he, you know, he was fourth choice for the job, and he comes across as he was fourth choice for the job. You know, he doesn't come across as a leader. He comes across as totally clueless. He's totally out of touch. He couldn't answer the questions correctly. He was he was stuttering, stammering when he was when he was getting asked questions. But like Lee said, I'd probe him further than me. You know, you've got to go at him, and it's it's all well and good. You know these people being asked questions, but you've got to do it in a particular way that makes them squirm because he never have the answers. You know he's just he, he doesn't know what to say, and this is why we we feel that we won't get a fair hearing when it comes to the appeal and when it comes round to the second set of charges. Imagine if the appeal doesn't go our way and those ten points stay on as a deduction. That means we're just going to get hammered again for the second one, and the chances are that means that means certain allegation. I can see it now, Mike. Actually, yeah. With the VAR, with the VAR sponsorships, it'll be like VAR sponsored by Pfizer booster jabs. They'll be sponsoring it. They'll be sponsoring it as we're waiting for the decision. You know, I mean, we've seen seeing pictures of old days getting jabs on the TV or something like that. Honestly, this is but, what um, it'll be. Honestly, mate. Yeah, I mean, look. Ultimately, look, if we boil it down to its basics, we haven't seen the accounts yet. But if we boil it down to, you know. It, it all comes down to the, the interest being able to be applied against the stadium, doesn't it? That's what it comes down to. And and I think, you know, that's what Burnham's effectively come out and said. And he said, look, I want to see the minutes to that meeting when you change the rules. Because I think by all accounts, it was in December 22 when they effectively notified Everton that we could yes. no longer, we could no longer use that, uh, you know, as basically costs against our account. And, and, you know, apparently I think is it six other clubs before that were able to do it between 2013 until then, where you could offset it. And, all and weren't clubs gifted? There's, there's other clubs in the league being gifted stadiums. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have, yeah. Yeah, as we know, yeah. Uh, in, that, so, in that time frame. Where, where does that, you know, where, again, where does that come into the fairness of... Oh, yeah, I'm not arguing about that, by the way. I wasn't bothered at the time. I can't say I'm 
So you, again, you can't retrospectively say, oh, well, let's do something about that then. But mm. it just doesn't, they're not even applying common sense. So as I say, well, when other football clubs and the fans of those clubs don't get behind Everton in this instance, I, I promise you now, if this was, let's let's say two other, let's say Brighton and, I don't know, let's say Brighton, not one of the top six, Brighton and even Newcastle, right? And Newcastle certainly don't like Everton. But, you know, when I saw that ridiculous situation where they will have to sell players in order to buy others, and you know they are the richest club in the world, you've got to say that's not right. Yeah, as an Evertonian, I don't think that's right. You know, so if we got a, a multi-billionaire who bought us tomorrow, we're still not going to be able to compete because of this ridiculous set of regulations that have been brought in basically to create a cartel. Now, that just well, it doesn't, it doesn't, the doesn't the make quote. any common sense. Yeah, but, I you mean, know, pity it didn't happen in 84, isn't it, really? Pissy didn't introduce yeah, the status yeah. quo in 84. I mean, the, the other point, though, that I would make, because I think, you know, we can rightly, I think, point to the Premier League and say it's absolutely disgraceful in, in terms of the way in which Everton Football Club have been treated. Manchester City, I think they're here and it's going to be next next year now. Those 115 charges have been hanging over them for several years now. Uh, and I do have to say, you know, where is the leadership at our club be? You know, why weren't we lawyering up three years ago? Never mind all this. It, it, again, doesn't this strike you as Everton being too nice, as always? Come on in Premier League. We'll open our books. Have a look what we're doing. We'll work alongside you because we don't want to be breaching any rules. And bingo, they kick us in the bollocks. And we get a 10-point deduction at which point somebody at the club sort of shakes their head, wakes up and goes, oh, oh, we better go and get a decent KC. Why didn't we have decent KCs and lawyers lined up prior to that 10-point deduction decision being made? We're sleepwalking into it. And, you know, then the second charge comes and again the club say, yeah, not unreasonably, they say, oh, well, hang on, we've got emails here. But, you know, Everton needs to wake up and smell the coffee and understand and appreciate they are not dealing with people who are playing the game here. They are dealing with people who want to undermine us and who want to see us in the championship. Maybe even worse, we could potentially go into administration if we do get relegated. So, you know, as much as I am absolutely fuming with the Premier League and the way they've managed and handled this situation, you do have to say... and. The fans were saying it a long time before the press were. Lack of leadership at the club has once again cost us because City lawyered up quick. Chelsea will be lawyered up. They've kicked it into the long grass. By the time it comes to the City hearing, City's lawyers will be saying, hang on, you've changed the rules. So you always knew those regulations that you had previously were really not fair and not really fit for purpose. If we'd have lawyered up in the same way, we could have been having that same conversation. So, you know, as I say, I'll absolutely slaughter the Premier League. I think that they're doing eternal damage to the whole of the English league, not just to Everton Football Club. But equally, we shouldn't forget how poorly managed and led our club has been in recent times. I don't think you'll find an Everton fan that will disagree with that statement in terms of the lack of leadership. Since we came into money, let's be honest, it's, it's you know, we had a run at it in terms of the signings, but it, you, know, you hear all the stories now of, you know, directors of football, as we all knew, not being able to do their jobs, you know, Koeman on the golf course, not on the training ground. You know I mean? Keir Jurabchin basically, you know, pushing players onto us like he has done by all accounts. That sank Reading, the sad story of Reading that's going on there. The club was effectively being run by Keir Jurabchin in the transfer market by all accounts. So... Yeah, I mean, the whole idea, Frank, you talked about administration there. I think this is a genuine fear here right now because the whole point of PSR brought in in 2013, and by the way, that 105 million loss level hasn't changed with inflation whatsoever yeah. in 10 years either. Yeah, what a joke. Is, you know, which yeah. is a farce in itself because, yeah. you know, by now, 105 million then is probably about 200 million now, but that's mm. another story. And I know that affects all clubs, so you can make that argument as well. 
quid again. Is that fair? No, not really. But then, you know, the idea is now, if we don't get these points absolved at all, and I think we should, by the way, but that's another story, because there's enough holes in the argument that a decent KC should be able to tear it apart, providing we get a fair hearing, then if we don't, and those, those, those charges get applied, and like you said, Mike, the second ones for the same accounting period get applied as well, there's, there's a very likely chance that we will be relegated, of course, but then we will go into administration. You know, this triple seven deal, every day there seems to be a news report around them, you know, failing to make payments to whoever, you know, across different parts of the world. By all accounts now, again, they're sitting on it, sitting on that. That should have been a process of X number of weeks. It's now, what, two times over that time period? Mm-hmm. You know, OK, is that is, Masters alluded to them not providing information they were happy with? You know, if that sale falls through, we're, we're effectively living off loans at the minute as a club. Yeah. You know, of which they've got a big part in 150 million, we're led to believe. Yeah, we could conceivably very much go into administration here. And the whole point of PSR is to prevent the likes of Portsmouth ha- happening. Mm. You know, if Everton was to, if that was to happen to Everton, like you said, Frank, one of the founding fathers of this, of the, this, this football, you know, this football league since, since the 18, 1800s could, could be gone. Mm. You know what I mean? And, 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 you know, the irony is we've got a stadium sitting there which would make us financially more financially sustainable and effectively they're using it against us so so we're in breach it's it's honestly you don't know where to turn but and, and look, we all agree everton have obviously like you said frank have fallen foul of several areas and leadership being one of them but if they throw the bucket at us with this and don't give us a fair hearing i i think it could be the end of our club and that, and that that's horrible to say that but it, it, it's a genuine reality isn't it yeah, for sure. And, that, and by the way, in no way does the lack of leadership within the boardroom as Everton forgive what the Premier League have done, because the Premier League have been even worse in terms of its mismanagement and the way, as you say, it, it, it's applied the rules and regulations. But I think on the field and off the field, a criticism has been for a number of years now, Everton are just too nice. You know, we are. And I think, as I say, there was a naivety within the boardroom that because they were opening the books, because they were having regular dialogue with the Premier League, somehow it was all going to be okay. And, you know, to not have the foresight to think, well, hang on a minute, we just better lawyer up here. Just and get, you know, hope for the best, but plan for the worst. That's what a good business does. And forever not to do that, I think, you know, we've, we've well, we're seeing uh, the results now. But as I say, listen, in no way, shape or form does that excuse the Premier League's behaviour uh, in terms of the way in which it's dealt with Everton. And as I say, now Nottingham Forest as well. Uh, but ultimately, you mentioned the post up on LinkedIn, Lane, thanks for that, but... It wasn't Evertonians, just Evertonians who were agreeing with me. We got that post got about, I think it was about 400 likes, about 42,000 impressions, and loads and loads of comments, but from supporters from across the country. So that's what the sad thing is that that's not being turned into a mass movement. But so many supporters saying VAR, non competitive, obvious bias towards the top six. I'm watching Salford now, or I'm watching a Marine, or I'm watching... You know, fans, as I say, are walking away from the Premier League. And these tossers who are in charge at the moment don't really care because, as I say, half of them probably aren't football fans. And in three years' time, they'll be doing another job anyway. Scandalous. Absolutely scandalous. I think I think an, an important part, just to wrap this, this part of the show up, an important thing to, to end on is the fact that the... Everton Fan Advisory Board have sent a 25-page statement almost, wasn't it, to the to support Everton in the appeal process. It was passed by the Premier League. The Premier League have, have acknowledged receipt of that. Um, and I think that's, that is hopefully an, an important part of things because I think throughout the whole situation we found ourselves in, we always feel, and it's, it's totally correct, that, that fans have forgotten in everything. Absolutely. Well, especially like you said earlier on, Frank. You know, your your fans 
um, who've, who've been there since since day one. So she was not not even new fans from say around the world. You know, it's it's not it's not designed now for for us fans who've who you know it's a historical thing. It's been the fa- our families for years to support a particular club, etc. But I think for for the appeal panel to read what that actually says. And you know the fact that you you know you're ignoring that the the most important people in all of this, mm. and that's us. That's us. It's no one else because we were there long before the Premier League. We'll be there long after. We're there now. We go through the ups and downs. We're getting punished for decisions that that people who were apparently in control of the club have made, but also in line with rules that we feel are, are totally. Weighted to towards other sides are outdated. Don't support sides who do have ambition and and want to build a stadium to to try and better themselves and move forward and things like that. So I think that's gonna that's gonna be a big part of thinking for us to have a voice and and you know well done to to the advisory board. I think for getting that together, obviously with with a lawyer, um and and presenting that as a as a piece of evidence because I'm sure now with 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 Super Silk on board. You know, we're putting our hopes on this man. You know, up to two weeks ago, we had no idea who he was, but now we're putting our hopes on this this gentleman to, to go in there and, and basically present our points correctly. Because I think we were we were lax, in my opinion, in, in the first the first hearing. I think, like you said, Frank, you know, we didn't get things right. We didn't lawyer up early on. We we didn't probably take it as seriously potentially as as we should have done. We sleepwalked into things, whereas now it, it's taken us to get to this point. And to be hit with the second yard to get to get the right person in, um, but we we need a lot of these things to come together and go in our favour to to hopefully mean that we get the, the the right outcome, which which backs up the fact that you know it's about us fans and we don't deserve to be punished for anything that happens off the field. It's not, not our fault. I think to do yeah. with us. Um, so let's let's see what happens. But let's let's wrap I think things the sad up. Thing here. is quickly just quickly there, Mike, on that point. I think Frank said about going to the new stadium and and then. You know, if this thing is still hanging over our head or we're still being punished for X, Y, Z of walking away, I think a lot of fans want to walk away. I think a lot of fans almost almost as if almost like an up yours to the Premier League and, and to Masters if you say, you know what, where do you you know, without the fans you've got nothing, so we're just gonna walk away. But the reality is, let's be honest, we can't really walk away because because we love the club. You know, the club the club that our dad took us to yeah. in whatever year we went to, you know what I mean? When we were a little boy and we walked those steps and we looked at that pitch for the first time, we all fell in love with the club, yeah. fell in love with the game. You know, that's still there, isn't it? That's still inside us. You know what I mean? There's and an emotional attachment. Yeah, you know but, I mean? And the problem is, you know, we've now got a situation where the Premier League are saying to Everton, which is a proud club, a successful club, a big club, one that, as I said earlier, has won nine league championships, European Cup Winners' Cup. Let's not forget, would have gone on to win the European Cup only for matters, again, that had nothing to do with Evertonians. A club that I started to support with the tradition of us going to the game to watch our club win trophies. Now, it's not been great for the last 20 years. If I'm looking ahead the next 20 years, where the Premier League and the suits are saying to me, look, mate, your club is simply here to make up the numbers. Well, I might just about accept that because of that emotional attachment I've got to Everton Football Club. But if they then say to me, we're also going to stop you enjoying the goal-scoring experience, because every time a goal is scored, it's going to go to VAR. And if your centre-forward's left bollock is offside, it's going to get disallowed. And then they say to me, Lee, the other thing we're going to do is we're going to have you turning up on a Thursday night at eight o'clock to watch a game because people in Asia find it more convenient to watch Everton Football Club at that time than Saturday at three o'clock. At some point, we as football supporters, as heritage supporters, will say, well, I'm awfully sorry, I love you, but I can't put up with this. And that's where I'm coming from, Lee. I know exactly what you're saying. If you would have said to me two, three seasons ago, you will be considering throwing your season ticket away, I'd have said to you, never. I will, that that season ticket will come to my grave. But I'll tell you, mate, the way in which this game and this Premier League is being managed, I am totally and utterly sick to my back teeth of it. It's not my football club, 
but it's the people who are managing it. And unfortunately, it's sucking the joy out of it. Sucking the joy out of it. You know what? That, that, listen to you there. That, that's so sad to hear that. You know what I mean? Coming from a fan that's been going the game for years and years and years. And like you said, you know, seen the good times and obviously seen very much the, the tough times. You know what I mean? That's just sad to hear that, isn't it, Mike? It is yeah, it, it is. It isn't, you know, but I, I totally understand where, where it comes from because, you you know, a lot of people are saying similar things. And, you know, I know people who've stepped away already, you know, in in terms of the, they're quite happy for other people to use the season tickets. And, you know, it, it's it's what the game has become. And don't get me wrong, you know, a lot of what plays into that is the fact that we are going through a really, a really difficult time. Um, so that that doesn't help, but people see that the product of the Premier League now for what it is, and and it's it's a stage show, and like we said, you know, there's far too many breaks in play. You can't enjoy when a goal goes in the back of the net, and you can't celebrate it because you're looking at the officials, you're looking to see if something comes onto the screen. You know, it's it's when you take that raw emotion out of football, it's gone. Yeah, because that's what football's all about. It's what sport's all about, isn't it? Living in that moment and you know that that expression of joy, um, and and I think you know they've really got to rethink it. So take take away you know what the the issue we find ourselves in, but you've got to think about what's happening to the sport at this top the top level and what it's becoming, because it certainly hasn't changed for the better, for, in my opinion. But let's. Well, Frank, let's... Frank mentioned Asia there quickly, Mike. Uh, you mentioned Asia. This twelve thirty kickoffs come from there, hmm. because obviously it's a night game over in you know India or China or whoever's hmm. watching it in the Far East. So, you know that that twelve thirty kick, which everyone hates, by the way, everyone yeah. hates it. You know, every single game is a damp squib because, let's be honest, the atmospheres in most grounds tend to be awful. The games tend to be awful because clearly the players don't like playing at that time either. You know, that's a product of of, of the Premier League getting the TV over there. You know, yeah. and the sooner they get rid of that, the better as well. But I think, you know, it's ultimately, just to finish here, I think it's pretty obvious now that based on Master's comments as well and, and the reference of the, the small club scenario and things like that, there's certain clubs in the Premier League that bring in the most money. And it's mainly those, most of the fans over in Asia will support your Man United's, your Man City's, your Liverpool's, your Arsenal's, maybe your Chelsea's as well. So they're, they're the ones over there with all the replica shirts on, watching the game, 12.30 over here, 8.30, whatever it is over there. That's that's what it is. And that's sadly, they bring in the most revenue for the Premier League. So they're going to get all the protection in the world. And, you know, City, eventually, they'll, they'll, you know, they, they will have to face these charges. But like I said to you guys before, you know, Sheikh Mansour is the Deputy Prime Minister of Abu Dhabi. There's no way, and, and we're, we're led to believe that the actual political implications, if, if they were to throw the book at City and obviously maybe relegate them you know, take some of their titles off them, effectively embarrass them. That that could have major implications on trade between those you know those two countries, those and them. You know, Brexit's been the biggest shit show you've seen in years. <laughs> Premier League's not far behind it. Yeah, luckily Lee, that's not going to happen because Man City will get a record fine, and we'll never hear the end. Of it. We'll never hear about it again. <laughs> that's my prediction. Record fine, no points deduction, no relegation. And by the way, Manchester City, when you next want to set that European Super League up, can you just come and have a word with us first so that we can uh, get our fair share of the uh, the spoils, please? Well, we'll see. You know, obviously City have kindly agreed to actually have a hearing now with the, the back end. Yeah, it's awfully kind of them. So we'll, we'll wait and see if that happens in the first place. But let's say... Uh, Let's park the, the financial chat there if we can. We're going to take a quick break and then look ahead, obviously, to FA Cup fourth round side Goodison Park against Luton after a, a gritty one that will against Crystal Palace in the week. So we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Welcome back to the second part of today's Unholy Tennessee podcast. As we we look back and look ahead in the same the same kind of uh, same conversation, really, because obviously Everton played the the replay of the, the third round tie against Crystal Palace at Goodison Park. On Wednesday, got a got a, a one nil win from a an Andre Gomez free kick. The, the first in about was it, I think one thousand six hundred days. I think it was Luca Dean in twenty nineteen was our last direct free kick goal, which is unbelievable and an unlikely source in, in Andre Gomez <laughs> scored the uh, scored the goal in a, in a, a pretty dull affair. It's got to be said there was very little in the way of quality. 
against Crystal Palace. Um, obviously, the one moment of quality was was that goal. But most important thing, Lee, is the fact that we got through. Is is probably the first thing to say. You know, it doesn't matter how you score. Great goal to see. Lovely to see Andre Gomez score. We know he's got that that quality. Um, but the the most vital thing was was you know one getting a win on the board. Really important after going through a little bit of bad form. But but secondly, just getting through to that fourth round and, and another home tie awaits. Yeah, and a little bit of justice as well for the first leg, because you know yeah. another another complete cock up that we talked about, which they actually rescinded, which I'm surprised about to be honest. I thought they would have stood their ground on that, but they didn't. And rightly, uh, Calvert Lewin's red card got uh, got um, cancelled, and he was able to play in that game. Um, and let's be honest, we were a better team in the first leg. Probably would have gone on to win it if maybe we'd have had eleven men on the pitch. In the end, you know, we take it back to Goodison. And let's be honest, I, it was freezing cold that night. I don't think the Palace Palace certainly didn't want to be there. You could tell. I think you know, Everton. I think most of Everton's players certainly didn't want to be there, and most of the fans in the ground didn't want to be there because they were free, freezing and nads off as well. So, I think it was one of those cup ties where you know we just need something. And like you said, Mike, you know, fortunately for us, a bit of quality from Andre Gomez, and, and we and we know Gomez has got that in his locker. We know he has. You know, he showed bits in that game. You know, real, real, real bits of you know stardust, if you like. You know, one of the best players on the pitch technically, and and he showed it with the goal, and he showed it in snippets as well. So, you know, I'm glad we got through. We needed that win, like you said, Mike. We've had a sticky period since since the Onana penalty miss, ironically, where we should have got through to the semi final. We've had a bit of a dodgy run. We have a good a good point against a good Villa side there, uh, like Frank alluded to before. And then getting a win on the board there and getting us through to the next round was vital, really, just just to lift the dressing room a little bit. And you know what? I, I, whilst we've just talked about obviously a, a big section there on, on on what's you know going on with the clown show behind the scenes, I've got to give massive credit to to the way Dice has handled all this. By the way. Yeah. Uh, both on, on and off the pitch, he's given us a team in a you know coming up to his year. You know, I think he's had a year anniversary in the job now, and 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 he's given us a team that you know okay maybe lacks a little bit of quality here and there, but he's given us a team we're proud of again. A bunch of lads that are fighting for each other, you know, and, and with the wafer thin squad we've got, some of them are running on empty as well. By the way, you know injuries are starting to crop up here and there. I believe Decore's now done his hamstring since he's come back. Mm-hmm. But he should never have played 90 minutes against Villa, having been out for so long. But that's where we are. You know, we're having to give him 90 minutes because we've got no one else really to bring on to be able to take his place. So, you know, throughout the whole of this, Dice deserves massive credit for the way he's handled it. The way he's handled his press conferences have been brilliant. He's almost been a spokesman for the club on some of these matters. And he's just remained calm all the way through it, hasn't he, Frank, really, more than anything else? Yeah, hugely impressed. Uh, with the way in which Dice has handled the whole situation, you know, not just in terms of the way he managed to get us over the line last season, but in terms of all the trials and tribulations off the field this season, he's just gets on with the job. And as you say, he's got the players playing in a system that clearly suits the squad that we've got. And unfortunately for him, you, you know, it is a way for thin squad. And so you can see some of those tired legs. I thought McNeil looked knackered. On Wednesday, I thought Harrison looked tired. DCL didn't look his normal self. Um, so you can see that it's starting to catch up with them. And ordinarily, January, you'd be saying, well, there's a couple of reinforcements coming on the way through the transfer window. That probably ain't going to happen. Um, but yeah, Sean Dyche has been massively impressive. Don't think he would have been anybody's first choice necessarily after Lampard was sacked, but he's, he's proved himself to be certainly the right manager for the right time. I'll tell you the other thing I like about him. He always picks his strongest team for the cup games, which is why we should be in the semi-final of the League Cup now and why we're in the fourth round of the FA Cup. And I'm sure he'll pick his strongest 11 again on Saturday. And that's good to see. And again, if you have any regrets of an Evertonian um, in recent times, it is that, you know, there have been occasions, haven't there, where past managers, particularly... David Moyes, actually, when we were sat comfortably in the league, did used to play weekend sides. And, and we've seen some shocks and some really bad performances and results in the Cups. And you think, why didn't we just go for it? Because Dice is doing that and he's had his reward so far. But I think the other thing, just going back to Mike's point, 
um, about that decision that was announced on the Monday, I think it was, wasn't it, about the, the further charge against us. And you're rightly, it was absolutely freezing cold night. It was my birthday as well, so I was sat there at one point thinking, what am I doing here? sat <laughs> here on my birthday, putting myself through the freezing cold night, not the best um, football on offer. But usually under the lights, you do get a bit of a buzz, don't you? A bit of an atmosphere. And I just wonder, OK, as I say, take the cold conditions as part of it. But there did seem to be an underlying sort of, we subdued, weren't we, as a crab? And I, and I think that might come back to your point, partly to do with that charge being announced on Monday. I'm sure of that. I, th- I think people, yeah, people people are, are massively impacted by it. I've, I've had a... Numerous discussions with my article last week in the BBC sort of covered in terms of you know the impact on on fans and how hard it is you know to, you, you try to you try to deal with one thing and and you get hit again so mentally it's it's a really difficult thing it's a difficult place to be in and you, sh- you shouldn't have to have an impact in your personal life in in the way that it doesn't and we do unfortunately with the best will in the world we try and put it to the back of our mind we try to forget about it you know but we a lot of people went to to the game on on Wednesday against Crystal Palace. In, in a difficult spot and sort of, you know, the enthusiasm had gone a little bit because you think, you know, almost what, what's the point? Because yeah. w- winning games of football now almost almost mean nothing, especially in the Premier League, because mm. it's going to be decided around the, around the table, whether we, we keep these points or not, as far as I'm concerned, you know. So mm. the cup game was, it was a welcome distraction in a sense, the fact that it wasn't the Premier League. Um, but fans, yeah, fans, are, I think, are, are really struggling currently and, and, and I totally get why. Why haven't the fans are in, in the same boat? And it was flat, you know. It was, it was very subdued, um, and and it's it's understandable as to why it was. Obviously, the weather impacted and, mm. and things like that. But it was a difficult difficult uh, environment to, to sort of be in, um, and that's why. I'll say though, Tarkovsky and Harrison, both of them in short sleeves, you know. I don't think so. That, that wouldn't have been me, mate. I'd have been full snood, full on blooming leggings, the works. And Dice would have took one look at me and said, You're not even in the squad, son, if you're coming on the pitch like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I didn't see anybody, by the way, wearing a pair of gloves. I'm pretty sure the man just banged gloves, by the way, because it was mm. about minus five. And not yeah. one person, even even Gomez, you know, he, he likes to wear the gloves. No, no, no chance under, under this manager. It's not part of the uh, the kit regulations under Sean Dice. We all know he banned snoods when he first came in, even in training. You weren't allowed to snood. Uh, you know, you had to wear full length socks and things like that. None of this messing around with this manager. But I was going to want to reiterate before we we look ahead to obviously the the Luton game, the praise for the manager. I've said it on on social media this this week as well. How he handles himself, how he carries himself, how he he answers. The questions that he that he does, how we how we conducted himself in the press conference before the game, you know, he, he I thought he was he was terrific and and he's been terrific since he's come in. We know what we get with Sean Dice. He's, he's a very straight talking man. Um, you know, he, he's almost a throwback. But I say that with, with with you know a lot of praise behind it because there's more to him there than people think. I think from a tactical perspective, but he's been the perfect fit and a lot of other managers. I think would have crumbled in this situation. Oh, yeah. I think that to, to, to try and keep a squad together and say, listen, keep keep going, keep fighting. You know, I know it's hard, I know it's difficult, it's hard for them all. Um, but I don't think many managers in this situation could have had the side doing what it, what what they've done. You know, that we should be on twenty seven points and, and sitting in twelfth, looking up. You know, in in semi decent form, even after a few a few poor poor performances. We should be looking up and, and potentially looking to get in that top half of the table. And we find ourselves 17th. So have to have them compete in the way they have been. You know, we got to the quarterfinal of the League Cup. We were a kick away of going to the semi-final. We've um we found ourselves now in the fourth round of the FA Cup after going through adversity in, in the third round in the first game when Kowloon was wrongly sent off. You know, this side are going through it. And like Lee said, the way, you know, it's a wafer thin squad yeah. and they're fighting, they're fighting for everything. That they can possibly get in the hope, like us, in the hope that justice is saved and common sense prevails because we know we're being wronged. We know we shouldn't be in this situation. It's got nothing to do with the players. It's got nothing to do with the, with the current manager. It's got nothing to do with us. So why are we all getting punished for it? So to keep them doing what they're doing and being competitive 
even when it's it's not great to watch, even when we think we should be doing better, they're doing all right, you know, and, and massive praise to the manager and his staff for, for, for getting the players playing the way that they are, in my opinion. Um, and, Can I just give know, a shout out to the goalkeeper on Wednesday, Mike? Because I was going to say, yeah, terrific. listen, terrific, wasn't he? Absolutely terrific. And, and fair play to him. You know, I said it again, for a, for a second choice goalkeeper, it's it's almost the worst the worst place to be in the worst position in the squad because you don't really play especially you know you said there Frank Sean Dice likes to pick his strongest side for the cup so in the league cup Pickford played every game didn't he mm. in the FA Cup he's given Jar Virginia the nod in that first game against Pals you played well but I thought he was terrific on Wednesday a couple yeah. of really really important saves especially the one in stoppage time for us from yes. the back post the header. But he did, he did really well, and I fully expect, I don't know about you, Frank, but I fully expect to see Jar Virginia start again on, on Saturday against uh, against Luton. Well, he deserves to, doesn't he? You know, you know, he deserves to. I mean, I'll, you know, I, I love Jordan Pickford. I think he's, you know, he has kept us up, hasn't he, in recent times in terms of the points he's saved us. But I think given his performance on Saturday, that lad should certainly keep the share for the FA Cup. What's, what's your thoughts on that game, Frank, in terms of obviously, you know, it, do you see it as a welcome distraction from the league almost in a way? Uh, we've had obviously a nice little break, haven't we? We've had, I've seen a few of the players have been abroad. I think James Garner was in Milan, had a little bit of time off. Um, so they've had a little bit of time to sort of reach out to batteries. We, we said, you know, it's such a small squad and you see some players like, like you know, Dwight McNeil and, and Jack Harrison who were flogging a little bit. Um, do you do you think that it's a, it's a welcome distraction and and you know it's a, it's another good chance, isn't it, to, to progress in, in the in a really important cup competition? Yeah, well, it's a distraction for us as well as fans, isn't it? As I say, I think that game just came a bit too quickly after that announcement of the second charge. I think Goodison Park will be up for it on Saturday, and it's three o'clock. So how nice is that? You know, three o'clock game, bloody great. Um, but now I'm looking forward to it. I think the players will be told by Dicey, look, pressure's off. You know, no league points at stake here. Go out, enjoy yourselves. I thought Luton, you know, came and did a job on us in the early in the season, but it was one of our poorer performances. The only, the only three performances this season I've been really disappointed. Uh, Villa away, I think, was one. Wolves away, of course. But I thought Luton at home, we were really poor. I'm expecting much better from us on Saturday. I do think we'll go through. Um, but yeah, I think you're right, Mike. I think it is a, a welcome distraction, both for us as supporters and I'm sure for the players as well. Um, and as I say, I think I'm pretty confident that, that we'll go through and looking forward to a, a Saturday three o'clock kickoff. Oh, that, that's it, isn't it? That you know the, the the few and far between in this this day and age, and I think the FA Cup, you know, such a traditional competition as well. That's what the FA Cup was always about, wasn't it? Three o'clock on a Saturday, we we lost yeah. a few a few absolute shockers in the FA Cup over the years. Three o'clock on a Saturday, but obviously another Premier League side in town. And Lee, I'm going to come to you because I know what your thoughts are. Couple of players back in town in terms of Ross Barkley and and Andros Townsend. Now you're you're a you've always been a big fan of Ross Barkley. Um, and a lot of time for him. You want us to get him back in the summer. You know, every time I've seen Luton in, in recent weeks, he's the one who certainly has stood out. What kind of welcome do you expect uh, Ross Barkley to get on his return to Goodison Park on Saturday? Well, you know what? I, I know he gets a lot of stick, Ross, and, and I can understand why because the way he left the club, the way he, sort of, you know, he cost the club quite a few million quid um, in the manner manner of how he left. But you know what? The football side of me, actually, it's, it's quite nice to see him enjoying his football again. And he is clearly enjoying his football again right now. Um, yes, he's a big fish in a small pond at Luton. By all accounts, he was offered to us in the summer. I still don't think it would have been the right move for him. There's still a lot of hatred from some fans there. And I don't think he would have settled like he has done at Luton. And same with Andros Townsend as well, but for different reasons. You know, Andros was a very likeable guy. Unfortunately, got a bad injury with us when he was actually playing well and scored some good goals for us, important goals for us. You know, we had his dad on this podcast. He was, he was great to listen to. You can see how Andres carries himself just by the way his father does. His father was a very impressive guy. Um, and, you know, you've got to give credit to Luton. You know, the, both those two players have arguably lifted them to where they are now. Um, and they've lost one game in the last six. And, you know, that's really impressive. 
really impressive, impressive form. And you know what? I hate to say it, and you know, they probably have been boosted by the fact we've been dragged down there psychologically. You know, the fact that we were well clear of them all of a sudden now there's another there's another horse in the race, and they've been thrown right in there, um, or we've been thrown in there. Sorry, which is which has given them a little bit of a boost because that their form was quite quite timely in terms of when when that um, points deduction was added, but. You know, you watch Ross against some really good sides, by the way. He, he gave he gave the Chelsea midfield the runaround the other day and they played Chelsea and Chelsea have got some good athletes in there. And, you know, he's, he's spraying balls about. He's playing that sort of deeper role, isn't he? And then breaking into the box. And he scored a few goals as well. Um, so, you know, this, whilst I do think we should go through, I don't think it'll be a cakewalk by any means. You know, if we'd have played them maybe a couple of months ago, I would have really fancied us. But they're playing with a bit of confidence and a bit of something about them right now. They're battling for everything. And they have got that little bit of quality in those two players I mentioned there. So it'll be interesting. And look, let, let's be honest, he'll have a point to prove. He'll have mm. a point to prove. And, and, and you know, he, he, he'll, he'll, be, he'll be doing his utmost to try and get on the score sheet. And we all know he can dig a ball. You know, he was unlucky. He nearly scored a worldie the other week when he hit the underside of the bar from mm. 35 yards. So, you know, we've got to keep a lid on him. I think if we keep a lid on him... And, and Townsend, I think we, we you know, we, and let's be honest, we've had three clean sheets in a row, so we are strong defensively at the minute. I do think we'll go through, but the key to us going through will be nullifying those players. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I think Barkley, from what I've seen, you know, I don't watch a lot of Luton, but they've had quite a few games televised in in recent weeks and months, and he does tend to dictate play. Ross Barkley a lot. I mean, he's, he's one man the match, I think, the last sort of three or four times I've seen him. So it shows you the influence that he's having on that side. And they're, they're an athletic side. Um, you've got, got that bit of pace. Um, obviously, we know what Barkley's about as well in terms of, you know, he's got a good range of passing. Um, he can link up link up well with, with the players further forward. He's got a good shot on him as well. And and then you throw into the mix Andros Townsend. We know, obviously, how good Andros Townsend was for the short time he was able to play for us. Uh, scored some some tremendous goals and was a big miss, a big miss to, to that squad when he got that injury against Crystal Palace in the FA Cup, funnily enough, wasn't it under under Frank Lampard? So that was a, he was a big miss. So they, they have they have got that bit of confidence, like you say, potentially because of what's happened to us and we obviously our forms dipped a little bit over the last few weeks. Hopefully now we've we've turned a bit of a corner. Um, but I fully expect it to be a bit, you know, a competitive game. You know, two sides who will fancy winning the game, that's for sure. Um, and 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 hopefully, you know, it, it is a welcome distraction to from from the the, the Premier League um, and what's going on off the off the field. But they're a good side. You know, when they came when they came in the league, when I say when I say they're a good side, a better side, I think than than maybe the the table the table shows. But when they came in the league, I wasn't impressed, and we spoke about it on the podcast. Just thought they were very one-dimensional, uh, just going long all the time. Everton were really naive, I think, in how we set up and that the goals we can see they were really, really poor. Um, but I think they've learned a lot in the short time that they've been up. The manager's done done a good job. Um, they've brought in, you know, a couple of players since then, as we've as we've already discussed. So they are a better outfit now than they were. So Everton have got a can't take this game for granted at all. You know, we hope. That we get some some good news on the injury fronts. Obviously, Seamus Coleman missed the game against against Crystal Palace, didn't he? Uh, obviously, Decore, another one we think probably going to come too soon for him. Uh, Ashley Young was getting closer, um, so the, the squad's not far away from being being having everybody available. Um, but it's going to be a real competitive game. I think a much better spectacle than what we saw against Crystal Palace is what I'll say and what I hope for as well, you know. Uh, but let's let's round off if we can with, with our, our predictions for, for that game. Frank, what are your thoughts? Everton against Luton on Saturday. Yeah, I think it'll be a tough game, but I think 2-0. Uh, clean sheet for us, defensively performing well at the moment. Um, I take all the points that Lee made about Barkley and Townend. I think Barkley, by the way, will get dogs abused on Saturday. <laughs> and I think Townsend will get a, bit, a really, really warm welcome. Um, I, I'm not saying whether that's right or wrong in terms of Ross Barkley. I just think it's a fact. Uh, and can you just remind me, didn't Townsend score an absolute worldie for us in the FA Cup? I think it was a way it was a Hull. Oh, Hull it was, yeah. Yeah, he scored an absolute belter, didn't he, for us? So let's hope he yeah. doesn't do that on Saturday. So I'm saying 2 0, mate. 2-0. Lee? 
Uh, I'm going to say 2-1. I think it'll be a tight game. Um, I do think we'll have a bit too much for them. But one thing we'll have to do, we'll have to, we'll have to learn from that first match, like you said, Mike, when they weren't really in the best of form. And they, they scored two, I think it was two set pieces against us, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's very much what they're known for. They've had a little bit of quality since, like we've said, but um, we're going to have to keep our wits about us. Um, you know, I think as good as Tarkovsky and Branthwaite have been, and they have been brilliant, they're going to have to be equally as good uh, on, on Saturday. Uh, and, that, that, you know, there'll, there'll be a lot, of, a lot of physicality involved, I imagine. It's going to be that type of game, isn't it? It's going to be a war of attrition. You've got to hope that we've got that little bit of quality in different parts of the pitch. It will come too soon for Decore, by all accounts, got a hamstring injury. So you'd imagine uh, Gomez will still will start in the 10. Um, and, you know, like I said, you know, we need to get him on the ball. He can find players and, and he can hit it with both feet, by the way. He nearly scored in the first few minutes of the game with a left foot dipping shot, which was unfortunately straight at the keeper. But, you know, I, I do I do think we should have enough, for, you know, too much for them at home. So I'm going to say 2-1. Yeah, I think we'll win. I think I think it'll. I'm gonna go for three one personally. I don't know where. I don't know who's gonna score and where the goals are coming from. But uh, <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a good feeling about it. Uh, it was about time we scored a few goals. It's been a little while, hasn't it, since we we stuck a few in. So I think we'll win the game. As I say, I think we'll go game. I do. I think. I think when you in these cup games, quite often when you, when you've the shackles are off of both sides and and you know it's it's a one off game, it can make for a decent spectacle. So I do think we win the game. Um, I'm, I'm willing a Jared Branthwaite goal. You know, we, he's he's come close a couple of times, um, and he should be the size of you know set pieces that we that we get. You know, we're, we're generally fairly good at in terms of you know scoring from. I think we're second behind Arsenal in terms of goals from set pieces this season. So he should be doing a bit more damage. So hopefully, hopefully he can he can grab a goal. Dominic Calvert-Lewin as well, another one who needs a needs to get a goal sooner rather than later. But I fancy just to get to get a win. Um, and. And get through to the fifth round, and who knows what's what's gonna what's gonna happen then. But that's us done for this week, Frank. Thanks for jumping on on a on a Sunday evening. We do appreciate it. No, thanks, lads. Been good to talk. Let's hope next time we get together that Everton have had the uh, the ten points overturned and we're <laughs> yeah. looking up. If we down. get another charge the next time I'm on, I'm not coming on again because I'm clearly <laughs> a jinx. Cheers, <laughs> Frank. And that's us for this week. We'll be back ourselves usual usual spot next Sunday. Uh, post post that Luton game and then look at ahead quick turnaround we, we're, we're visiting Craven Cottage uh, midweek the following week so we're, we'll be talking about that as well so we will catch you then The Unholy Trinity Podcast Three Blues Three Opinions One Everton Podcast Podcast Network.